0: Storie Libre presents
1: The mother and the father will be there. They'll be able to meet the child. The child will be able to visit them. But fundamentally, it will be responsibility of the commune to look after the children. The children will have many uncles and many aunts and they will have many more opportunities of human contact with different kinds of people. They'll be incredibly enriched by it.
2: The nuclear family structure was certainly not supported in any way. I moved to Rajneeshpuram with my mum, and as soon as I got there, my mum was moved off to her home, and I was put in a kind of dorm room for kids called Howdy Doody. It was a converted barn from the original farm buildings. So in an instant, my mother and I were living over a mile apart. Luckily for me, I saw my mum every mealtime for the first year, because it was her job to hand out cigarettes, stamps, and make announcements in the cafeteria. But we never lived in the same building for the five years I lived there. And at one point I was sent to Amsterdam for six months. And I'm not sure my mum was ever even consulted about that. One evening, an announcement was made and a few teenagers were called up to the stage area in the meeting hall. I was one of them. We were all asked if we had passports and then told that we'd be going to Europe in a week or two. That was a great adventure. The one thing I always tell people that still makes me sad today is that everyone would tell us kids how lucky we were because we had so many parents. We were children of the commune. The reality of how that played out is actually feeling like I didn't have any parent. I had a boss and I had people I would go to if I'd gotten in trouble. I went to a cafeteria to get food, etc. but none of these people were my parent.
3: Dicken Kent was five when his mother went to India to become sanyasin. From 12 to 17, he lived in Rajneeshpuram in Oregon, the enormous commune which Osho had founded in the 80s in the United States, thanks to his personal assistant Ma Anand Sheila, who we all know today because of the documentary Wild Wild Country. Rajneeshpuram had changed everything. It had represented a breakaway point for the sanyasins Their guru was suddenly leaving India to move to the other side of the world. What would become of them? Who could have followed him and when? This is Roberta Lippi. I write for TV, radio and the web. You are listening to Soli. A journey into the memories of children who grew up in Osho's communes between the beginning of the 70s and the first half of the 80s. In the previous episode, we started getting to know Venu and his mother, Ma Prem Anugata. They had been living in Pune for a few years when they suddenly received the news that Osho would be leaving.
1: At some point, Bhagwan decided to go to America, so they all abandoned the Pune Ashram. And all the Sannyasins had to go back to wherever they came from, Germany, Japan. And then they all wanted to follow him to America, but first we'd been told we had to go back. So my mother, after a few years in India, came back to Germany with me. Then for a year, she went around Europe to decide which commune she wanted to live in. She went to Sicily, to Ticino, everywhere because there were all these small communities which were suddenly springing up. And we ended up in Ticino and and it's there I learned Italian because at first I didn't speak Italian. I started going to school in Ticino to a normal elementary school for two years. And then Sheila came and she closed down all the small communes to gather up people in the big communities. There was a big one in Zurich, one in Milan, because in those large communes, There were large businesses, clubs, hotels. So we ended up in Zurich in a huge commune. It was truly big. And after a year, they decided to send all the children of the European communes to one school altogether. I still don't know why they did it. If it was because they wanted all the children to grow up together, or because the communes were also businesses which would have worked better without children underfoot. I don't know. We'll never know. So we all went to England, all the children. We were like three or four hundred children from zero
4: to 16. I would never have
1: left my
0: son. This was the one time. It was very difficult because the whole community was changing. So they wanted to put the children in a school. And he was already 10, 11. And I said, "Okay, he can go to Medina. Because I was also in a moment that wasn't easy. They had disbanded my ashram here in Lugano and I was going through a crisis. It
3: was a time of crisis. To Venu, the Medina experience was still exciting. The school was made up essentially of children and a few adults who coordinated the activities.
1: Since there were very few adults, apart from a couple of masters, a few teachers, a few people supervising us and maybe some, and a few cooks, we had to do the rest of the work. I worked in the laundry, for example. A few of my friends worked in the garden, the kitchen, the office. We had our first computer system. For example, the whole school was connected. There was, an, there was a giant server as big as a room. Then there were proper classrooms. It was like a real school. It was the first time I saw classes. There were no such things at the the ashram. They taught English, mathematics, and I was well except for the fact that I missed my mother. At 12, you miss your parents, but in a boarding school, Sannyasin or not, I imagine it's the same for all children. You miss your parents. But I was all right, I liked the place.
3: So Veno goes to school in the morning and works in the commune in the afternoon. His contact with his mother was intermittent. There was no internet and phone calls weren't that easy.
1: My mom and I phoned each other once a month, maybe every two, three weeks. I don't know. But to the Sanyas family, family wasn't as important as it was for the rest of the world. The commune was our family. The whole concept of a family had been abolished. It was no longer there. We all still missed our parents, but we weren't very sad. Maybe the younger children were sadder, they missed their parents more. I was all right. As a child, I already lived in small left-wing political communities, so I knew the idea of of the father-mother-children family. But it wasn't as important to me, so I didn't lose much in going into the Sanyas world. It was normal to me. I don't know how it was for other children, but to me, it wasn't such a break. We had a big family. We were brothers and sisters. We were 50, 100 or 200 instead of having just one sibling. We were all very close. We lived six children to a room.
3: But life isn't just school and fun. Medina was built to host the children of the Sanyazins, but it needs to be managed. And children are periodically called to meetings with those who are called the mums. The mums have nothing to do with parenting roles, but they are the women who, under the orders of Ma Anand Sheila, have the task of coordinating the whole community at Ranishpuram and more. The mums are often on assignment, which is not a nice memory for Venu.
1: The mothers came. They were basically the managers of the whole systems. Sheila's mums, they came to us to tell us we weren't working enough. We were only using ten percent of our potential. The whole community got together. There were all the children and all the adults sitting at the feet of a mom that was telling us off. And this was very uncomfortable because we felt castigated, told off. Each felt as if we weren't paying back to the commune with enough of an effort. These were bad meetings, those mums, whom you can also see on Wild Wild Country, were to me. With my eyes of today, really the managers of the whole system. Mum was a euphemism. But us children and the adults with us too truly were in a pretty bubble.
3: Meanwhile, Anugata carries on with her life. The two of them no longer have direct contact with Osho, but when they go to Rajneeshpuram for the summer festival, the only time of the year in which all the Sanyazins of the world go on pilgrimage to visit their guru, Little Venu, who had such concrete experiences in Pune, finds himself projected in another reality, enormous and impressive.
1: It was an awe-inspiring, it was like a huge village. It was like being in an Asterix and Obelix comic book with all the Roman tents in rows for miles and miles, full of sannyasins everywhere. And there were yellow pullmans everywhere that moved you from one place to the other. And there was a giant lake where you could swim. And there were drive-bys when Osho came in a car and we were all on the edges of a road to salute him. I remember once he stopped his car right in front of me. He lowered the window because he gave presents to children but there was a smaller child in front of me and he got the present. And I was a bit disappointed because I wanted the present. And there was always a helicopter of Bhagwan. The car was a Rolls Royce and policemen with guns. It was all very big and impressive, like a giant restaurant where ate at once. It was a very impressive to me as a 12 year old.
3: Once back in Medina, Venu must face several judgments around his personality and undergo one of the biggest tortures he remembers, meditation. Yes, because if adults had chosen that lifestyle voluntarily, for the younger children this meditation thing was incomprehensible. On the other hand, as Osho said, meditation is fundamental for the young ones, and no human being is closer to meditation than a child. But try telling that to little Venu.
1: There was a form of meditation called dynamic meditation. It was a meditation where you screamed, you beat up pillows, you danced. It was a cathartic meditation. And in England, at some point, the adults told me I was too aggressive and I needed to do this meditation. Since you did this meditation early in the morning at 6 a.m., Before going to school, I needed to get up at five to do the damn meditation, which gave nothing to me. I hated it. I really didn't like it at all. So I pretended after two or three weeks, I was less aggressive and more positive. And they said the experiment was successful and thus sent 20 more children to that meditation. But as a child, I didn't like it. I felt forced to meditate and I still don't feel like it these days. It's probably the result of those 3 months in which I had to do the fucking dynamic meditations.
3: Venu has been far away for a year and something is changing. Something is changing in Oregon and in Anugata too. Gestivo il centro
4: Achaya qui a Sorengo.
0: I managed the Akshaya Center here in Sorengo, a gorgeous mansion worth 5 million, when they decided to close down the small communes to focus on large cities uh, without our consent, which was an absolute tragedy, because it hurt us a lot, because we were bound to the place. I ended up in German Switzerland, uh, then in Berlin, while the Rajneesh Puram tragedy was unfolding. In that very moment, when Rajneesh Puram was disbanding, and I felt the need to leave the commune. I couldn't do it anymore. I no longer wanted to be in the commune. I wanted to get into a new life. Vinu came back from Medina. We sorted ourselves out with other sannyazins, getting a large flat in Berlin. And then, only some time later, around a year and a half, I had a new partner. We got a flat and we went on a little trip, like a traditional family. I could no longer be living in common all the time. I needed some privacy. And when it was growing up, he needed a different kind of attention.
1: We went to our first flat as a family, my mom, her boyfriend and I, and I made up my mind to finish school in Germany. I went to high school and after so many years I even studied.
3: And so Venu became a man inside the society from which his mother had fled. But he had spent his childhood and adolescence away from the normality of the world. Inside that famous bubble which contained nothing but Osho's commune, his teachings and his pictures. What would happen now? How would the relationship between mother and child change?
0: There was, of course, a time in which he resented me for it. You weren't there enough. It's true, I always wanted to work from the start. I didn't want to stay at home. I didn't just want to be a mother. I wanted to continue with my life despite having a child. And on the one hand, I'm very happy, even though I see I might have taken into account his own structure more because I imposed my choices and everyone else had to come with me. I didn't ask myself much how Vino was dealing with it emotionally. Do you
4: see?
0: But I think today we overrate children's education, doing well or not. Children are much more resilient than what we think. They're clever, they adapt well. Vino had the security of his family, a mother who was there and he had so many experiences that when he started attending a normal school in Germany, I think he had more experience than his
1: teacher. If I am who I am because of my past, everything I experienced in those years is part of me. And I know in some ways I'm very proud of that past because it's a past few people in the world have had and it's been a very crazy out of the ordinary past and I have numerous beautiful memories. Today I think children need guidelines so I will raise my daughter differently but you can't make comparisons that they were different times. I would say everybody had their own experience and many children may have had ugly experience perhaps For somebody it felt badly. I didn't go bad. It didn't go badly for me. I had a very beautiful childhood, so I don't feel traumatized. I'm not full of anger. To me, it's been a time, a chapter in my life that was like that. But I don't need to go to therapy because of it. I don't know what I would be today if I hadn't been sannyasin. I'd be a whole different person, and I don't know whether good or bad. I am who I am. I have an amazing family, a wonderful job, I like a lot, and the sum of all those experiences brought me here. So I can't cut out one part and say that was bad or ugly. In the end, it brought me where I am now. I am a screenwriter, I do a job, I like a lot, and I can only do it because I had a life full of those experiences.
4: You know,
0: every mother experiences guilt, however common or uncommon you may be. You're still going to feel guilty. But seeing how he managed his life, how strong he is, how intelligent, the depth
3: of his thoughts. I think the experience was successful. Anugata and Venu went through the experience together. They have been and haven't been there for each other. Each of them has lived the sannyazin experience exactly according to Osho's teachings, and at the end of that life journey, they continued on their path, rich with all the experiences gained, good or bad. Their eyes and their smiles are those of two human beings who took the best, knew how to deal with what they'd lived, and knew how to close the door When the moment to do something else had come. I asked Anugata how she'd react if Venu, today, told her he's leaving to move to a commune and brought his daughter to the other side of the world. Anugata smiles.
0: I wouldn't like it. Not because I wouldn't want to see him live on the other side of the world in another commune, but he'd be very far away. And how would I see my little girl? One of the reasons why I have ended up in Switzerland now is because I wanted to follow the little girl, because it seemed right to me, she should have a grandmother, and maybe I wanted a redo of what Venu had missed out on. I wanted to focus with her and be there 100%, as grandmothers are.
3: Today, Sanyazins wonder about the correctness of putting children in the commune. Many of them like Dick and Kent, whom we quoted at the beginning, remember the psychological and physical abuse they endured when they were children, when they were too unaware to understand, and the adults were too free to give themselves boundaries. But how does the Sanyazin community protect children today? We'll try and find out together, listening to their own voice previously unheard accounts of men and women who lived firsthand as children the experience of the commune. its light and dark side, the rules, the school, playing, working, meditation. But most of all, what it meant to grow up with parents who wanted them, indeed, to be in common on all levels. This is Roberta Lippi and I look forward to having you back for the next episode of Soli, here on storielibere.fm. The international version of Soli has been translated by Eduardo Rialti. The international voice of Roberta Lippi is Cecilia Gragnani. Storie Libre
0: Production by Gianandrea Cerone and Rossana De Michele. Editorial Supervisor Guido Guenci and Chiara Tagliaferri. Post and sound design era zero.